when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It's Monday, June 15th, and you're listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 321. I'm your host, Austin Walker. I'm joined today by Gita Jackson. Yo, what's up? And Rob Zachney. Hello, hello. How you guys doing? How was your weekend? Um, I had a complete mental breakdown about the fact that I'm moving. I, in fact, I need to text my boyfriend to make sure that he's given over the first month's rent and deposit right now, because we're supposed to sign a lease today. God. But, Are you just totally yeah. in that, like, terrified mode where you expect it to somehow, some way, just go poof? Well, Rob, I, at 2.30 in the morning, <laughs> unable to sleep, I ordered uh, rental plastic bins because I started freaking about where, out about where I'm going to get all my cardboard boxes. Oh, and you know sure. What? Plastic bins, honestly. Reusable. About the same price and reusable. And you can buy plastic wrap, like bubble, pa- like parchment sheets and like bubble wrap to go along with it. And you get like 20 of that. And I feel like that'll be enough because I, it's not like I'm bringing any furniture with me. The really thing that, that's been bugging me out is like David and I have not lived in places that have had living rooms before oh. this we have never had to furnish a that's living a room that's a big sh- yes i've been in this situation before <laughs> this happened yeah. to me when i was in canada and i moved into a living room or i moved into a i moved into a living room i moved into <laughs> a new place with a living room and i had an office space um what? and yeah listen it was wild there's a it, it was it we'll get into it at some point off mic um and <laughs> that meant all of my furniture was in the office space and in my bedroom, and so the living room was tile floors, just freezing cold, <laughs> nothing on the walls. I like didn't even have a TV in there or anything because it was all my office. So it was just an empty, miserable yeah. cave. So just like a horrible, sad, cold cave. Yes. Now we're trying to avoid that. Yeah, I've been don't be at me. So, so many different sofas. The sofas are so expensive. <laughs> And I don't know what to do. I'm trying to find one that's, like, reasonably priced, which means, like, under $1,000, hopefully. Right. Right? Um, But also, my apartment is big enough at this point that my parents could come. They live, like, not too far out of state. So they could drive and, like, crash at my house instead of having to get a hotel room or drive home. So I do actually need, like, a sleeper sofa, and that just ups the price. And so you could look at stuff like Novogratz, which is this, like, Instagram, like, furniture company that I keep getting ads for, or Ikea. But then you have to spend, like, hours and hours looking for which Ikea sleeper sofa is not incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. I feel like All I the can think first about is couch. I think the first couch you get is going to suck. I think that's a truth yes. about life. 
uh, and and it just you have to kind of almost accept it. I know Rob is probably currently looking at an entire catalog of good couches to make recommendations from. <laughs> Couch, I, I back, need he, Rob just with me the, through the entire process. He recoiled here. from the screen as if because I was literally cross. sending Gita a link to <laughs> uh, a furniture company that specializes in really comfortable sleepers. See, here we go. Oh well, my god. Well, yeah. Good, well, my good. mom said it's because she's sleeping on it, I'm sure. She said that she'd give me a little bit of cash okay. to help with the couch because it's like. That's the most expensive thing that a young couple is going to buy, I feel like, is a big couch. We'll eventually get a better bed frame, but, like, a couch, we want to have people over, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, when, yeah. when that's possible to do. So, we don't want, I don't want something from Craigslist like I've just had every time I've had to buy right. a couch before. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, good luck. I hope Rob's, like, don't, don't be like everyone else. Be like Rob's acne. Uh, look at the, look for the comfortable the comfortable sleeper be- or couch that that only comes from hours of research and <laughs> years of of slowly accumulated wisdom about how to live the better life. Yeah, but okay, no. here's the caution there. Yeah. Uh, Wait. All right, the ones I linked are really comfortable, but here's the thing, like with sleepers a big part is the more comfortable, like the better a bed it is, the heavier the couch gets. And ah. so like the thing is, the thing that gets really scary is day of delivery is like your last chance to have that thing moved without being a huge pain in the ass. After that, it's all on you. So like I've got this massive sleeper um, and it is really comfortable. Like in the summer, it's because it's cooler down here. Uh, there are nights where it's just by far the best place to sleep. But the problem is, um, like if I had to move that thing across the room, I would be like, I would need paramedics standing by, right? Uh, I would need to have like a, a month of PT book. If it had to go up some stairs, uh, like absolutely, I would die. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So we're both under five ten. Dave, what if my you do have that low really... center of gravity? <laughs> That's true. We could <laughs> and you're on the first really floor. You're on the first far. floor. We're, we're on the first floor, which is like the first time I've also moved into a first floor mm. apartment and not have to dealt with stairs. Yeah. So that's been nice. I feel like the heaviness is abs- It's got actual real hardwood floors, so the heaviness is something I want to think about because I don't want this to get scratched. Right. It's, it's oh, a you get nice, nice little uh, place. Uh, little grippers that yeah that'll yeah, be that's what I was gonna say yeah, that'll yeah, help yeah, it yeah. might yeah. help and me like slide it across if I ever need to reposition yes. it hopefully yeah, totally yeah slide don't yeah. lift if possible I'm 110 pounds not gonna happen baby <laughs> well congrats again on the new apartment I hear there's a backyard I'm excited about that because I will inevitably be in that backyard drinking beer at some point in the future yo if, my mom's gonna give me one of my dad's charcoal grills you're invited oh yes <laughs> cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot wait for the cookout. Uh, other things this weekend, the uh, video games. There were a thousand more video game live streams in place of uh, E3. Um, I, I'm joking, but only sort of. There was, let's see, the Gorilla Collective had two different shows. The Gorilla Collective being just a sort of pop-up shop. I don't know who was behind Gorilla Collective. Did anyone else? I guess, okay, it's the same people who do The Mix, which is an indie exchange that I think happens a lot at, like, PAX. Um, uh, so that's 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 who's behind that. So lots of uh, independent games there. And then also, 
um, the future game show and the PC gaming show. Uh, the PC gaming show being a thing put on by PC Gamer uh, that's been happening for probably, what, five or six years now? Maybe more that than that. Right. Um, and then the future game show uh, was put on by uh, Games Radar. Um, is that a, was that a future media future game show? Is that or is it just like future as who owns Games Radar? Who could oh, say anymore? Future, yeah. So yeah, so is that was the was that an AOL product Games Radar or am I bugging? Or am I from nineteen ninety three? Because I just said bugging. AOL Jesus did have ownership in something at some point. It's weird right. to think about how much stuff AOL was into uh, yeah. back when it was the shit. We cannot yeah. go down that hole AOL because we'll be Warner. there. Yes, it's just greatest to ever do it. Just trying to. <laughs> God. God. Um, did anyone watch any of these? Because I, I kind of let myself fall into them and uh, be enveloped by trailer after trailer. Yeah. Uh, would you? What, what stood out to you, Rob? Because we cannot do what we did for Sony and go beat by beat because there's just too much. No, no, no. Um, so I started watching the PC gaming show, and uh, so. I basically have an allergy to survival crafting at this point. Uh, And so pretty much any game where like, you know, like Dean Hall was showing his new game, uh, Icarus or whatever. And like the first thing you see is somebody in a spacesuit chopping down a tree. And I was like, dude, yeah, I was. Is that a tree coming down Mm, with the same like chop animation of every other? Yeah. uh Yeah. Uh, But let me tell you, um, did you see this game? Project Wingman. Um, I probably did, but I, I don't tell me about it. Okay, so it is like a um, not like super low poly, but more like late '90s, early 2000s. Like, uh, looks like the Jane Strike Fighters uh, series, mm-hmm. and it's a combat flight sim, but like arcadey. That yes, looks like this it's is from the one that, that era. it looks like it's like an Ace Combat game m- mixed with the James Combat Sim stuff. Yeah, and I, I think like for me that is just a really powerful resonant aesthetic because like for me that is the last time I was seriously into uh, flight sims mm-hmm. was when like. Remember that like mega Jane's Fighters collection came out yeah, with like yeah. U.S. Navy Fighters '97, as if there's going to be a '98 and '99 weird thing. <laughs> uh, you know, Joint Strike Fighter. All those things came out in one package, and um, they were manageable. Like they were they were still convincing flight sims in some ways, but they were also kind of easy to play. And Project Wingman kind of looks like that. It, it knows what you want, right? It, yeah. it knows you want Wingman chatter, people being like, tally-ho, eyes on bogeys. <laughs> and then, like, a cutaway camera shot of a missile drop firing from a, a bay rack. It's great. That sounds good. Um, from the PC gaming show, I think the thing that maybe stuck out the most for me is actually something that then just came out immediately, uh, which was Among Trees, one of those crafting games you can't stand, uh, that just has an incredible look. Um, everything is so saturated with color and and kind of... Um, uh, it's not just color, right? It's it's a sort of like dense gradient work where this green will blend into an orange as the sun is setting. Everything has this this sense of uh, fog kind of um, permeating everything. Um, and that's just out on Epic now in early access. And so I put probably six or seven hours into that and it was very relaxing. It's just a nice, it's just a, a very simple crafting game. And also all the crafting is menu driven and is kind of um, 
you're you're just like all right here's a cabin right like I'm, I'm adding a wing to my cabin you're not laying individual blocks it's not minecraft which is a plus or a minus depending on what you want from from one of these things but it was a very chill game to spend some time with this weekend uh which i've needed because the world has not been particularly chill lately um also from the pc gaming show uh, oh go ahead Hita. no just as is tradition as soon as you mentioned that game described it i just opened the epic launcher and uh, I'm there it is literally Literally every time you talk about a game it's on this so show. It's so good. It's like, well, it's just like, it's, it's, like I said, it, I think a big part of it is just, it's the moment for it. Um, and, yeah. and I don't know where it's at in the early access process. It literally just came out yesterday or two days ago. Um, so at this point, I would, I would imagine there's probably only eight to 10 hours of crafting in there. Um, but it, it was, it was pretty good. What I will say is you will hit a point, you may hit a point where you cannot find a particular resource that you are looking for go further keep keep trust yourself your ability to travel further even though the day grows long you will need more oak or whatever the basic wood comp- i think it's like it might be like fir tree wood or something and i was missing like six and the second i got that six everything changed because i suddenly could build a crafting room i could build an axe i was like an axe oh i could God. get my wood from all the trees but there was probably about 15 minutes i was like did my game bug could did they run out of wood like wood scraps on the ground they did not i just could not find any um uh, but so it's to play. yeah i think i think you i think gita you specifically will will really connect to it um i also really liked the look of valheim which was kind of a uh 3d action adventure viking open world proc gen rpg which is not a thing i thought going into a, a game show like this i would be looking for um but there was something about the the spaces in that game and something about the um the, the way the encounters felt really consequential that made me kind of curious about it like i i don't i don't go for kind of nordic fantasy viking fantasy just isn't my vibe i don't i'm not opposed to it in any in anything it just doesn't do anything for me um but the way that this played out actually really did like strike me um i guess there's a beta available to sign up for now i don't know if it's if it's open or if it's closed it looks like it might be closed um but you know me i love exploration i love that sense of like traveling into into the wild yonder and and stumbling into things and emergent gameplay and all that stuff and so the fact that that trailer kind of sold that to me pretty pretty strongly um is is telling um, Austin, I have to laugh because the game I was going to shout out was a game called Dwarfheim, uh-huh. uh, yeah. which is a cutesy-looking co-op-focused <laughs> RTS. Um, too early to tell too much. It looks like it has a nice, uh, more like stripped-down Warcraft Three-like aesthetic in in some ways. They're just from that era, not necessarily right. borrowing the entire art direction. Uh, but I think. I'm extremely ready for like I like an RTS that just owns the fact that comp stomps were one of the most fun ways to play RTS games, just hands down. Like comp stomp meaning that you and a friend would co-op your way through yeah. uh, just like a skirmish against uh, some computer controlled AI opponents, and like instead of being that high high competitive, can I beat my friend? You're just like, yo, give me another beer, <laughs> let's go. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like it really did, like playing that way makes the RTS like, um, no, I think the get me a beer 
analogy is actually really good because I think competitive RTS is like uh, Paul Dean had a really good line in his retrospective on Catan last week where he described it as it is a game of like brooding silence. And mm. I think that's competitive RTSs too, right? Like that's not that's not a fun time in that way. It's not a social time. You're just totally like dialed in on what you're doing in front of you. Uh, but playing co-op and just beating up on some AI, it's a lot more fun, a lot more relaxed. Totally. Um, if I can shout out, ooh, I, like, I, wanna, I keep going like, ooh, one more thing, one more thing from these shows. Um, but there was a lot, so please forgive me for, for going on quite a bit here. Um, a very short one is, uh, Gita, did you see that there was a, a Dwarf Fortress trailer? Yeah, With the new tile set stuff? Yeah, <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. I'm... Go ahead. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm sorry. I'm just excited for this game to feel <laughs> accessible to people that would definitely get a lot out of it. You know, I, mm -hmm. I feel like... The one thing I've always heard from people is that they would play it if it had graphics, and now I don't have a fucking excuse, okay? <laughs> like, it's, I think it, the game is parsable, even though it, it, when it doesn't have a tile set, I think that the fan-made tile sets are all really interesting right. and can be very creative. Not exactly difficult to install, although it, things get wonky when, around an update when everything breaks and you have to wait months for the fans to fix it again. Yeah. But I just, the closer this gets to finally people in the mainstream who are just put off by the insular nature of this fandom. I just, it's going to become so much fun to watch people discover all the ways that this game will just surprise you yeah. and make you just reconsider. I don't know. There's something really beautiful about the way that this game has gotten so like particular at this point that you can really believe that the histories of these characters are real histories mm -hmm. and that the things that have happened in their past are real pasts so that is the thing that i'm most excited for people to discover and if it takes an official tile set to get them to play yeah. it then like whatever <laughs> totally. do you get the feeling like gita has really specific people in mind when she's talking about a hypothetical on the show where where i'm like somebody is refusing to play dwarf fortress and it's just pissing you off honestly 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 it is my older brother who if you're listening to this i know Get you read all my That's articles right. so you should play <laughs> please He's so he hasn't played a real game like the last time he was really into a game it was Half Life Two before the global offensive update, and then he like broke his leg for a little bit and ha just played like Assassin's Creed and got back into games after that. And so I'm just trying to get him into more and more like gamer ass games, and he's been resisting because now he's an adult <laughs> with a grad graduate school degree. <laughs> so. Listen, listen, listen to me. I'm same, and yet here I am <laughs> scrolling through games I'm excited to play sometime in the next year or two. Can I shout another Can one I... out? Please. Anyone check out, anyone see that trailer for Airborne Kingdom? Yes. Uh, so the thumbnail description, for those of you who didn't see it, uh, it's worth looking up, but really it is like somebody loves the look of the Game of the Thrones uh, intro, the, the opening credit sequence, yeah. and made a, like, city builder, I guess, um, or some kind of management game, uh, where it looks like that, but it's in a world full of giant flying airships. 
and it looks really nice. It just it does has look nice. a really distinctive style, um, really detailed models, but like simple textures. Uh, again, like low poly counts on the components of those models, and uh, the the map just looks glorious uh it's got like beautiful text legends on the bottom of it and projection lines it's it's incredible it looks it looks like you know how like an important thing in in some fantasy books is like the quality of the map right like how exciting is it to just sort of pour over uh the the world that's that's going to be serving as the stage for the action this game seems sort of dedicated to that pleasure Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I, I think that, like the the core conceit of you are it looks like a tile based city builder, uh, but on these like very cool airships with huge winding, you know, oars in 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 the sky or giant propeller systems. Um, it it presents this whole like there's a degree to which it's like looking at a clockwork. Like literally looking at clockwork because of all the little moving pieces that it feels like gears, and that that ends up being a really sharp aesthetic to pair with a game that is going to probably be about, you know, making sure all the systems work and all of the gears that you, the gears of this this city that you've built actually function. Um, it's it this this one it landed for me on the side of like okay, but what am I doing a little bit more? Mm-hmm. And and for people who listened to our much our much gloomier PS5 conversation last week, I think maybe the big difference between us liking the things that we're talking about here and and some of the PS5 stuff is like the degree to which I like to be pitched on how does this game play is very high um, versus what the aesthetic is. I can get the aesthetic very quickly and I've played so many games with great aesthetics that don't land, that I don't enjoy spending my time with. I'm not moved by, I'm not, it's not memorable, et cetera. I, I, I think especially in the independent space, the lesson of the last few years has, has actually frustratingly been that I'm more skeptical of something that has a dramatic and striking aesthetic because despite the fact that it'll make a great first impression, it's often it has often been the case that that first impression is is the the is what lands for me, and then after that, I, there's very little, and that's just like about maybe it's a flip of a coin. Maybe I've played the wrong stuff in that way. Um, but uh, you know me, you know I like weird janky stuff, uh, and I think part of that ends up being about when you have limited resources, where you put those resources, and and what connects to me as a player. I don't know if that makes sense. No, that makes total sense. Where I'm, you know, I I saw I I'm a person who I'm trying not to be mean. I'm trying to be a nice person. Mm-hmm. I'm a person who really does fuck with uh, aesthetics that can be described as whimsical or colorful, friendly, wholesome. One might say, ah. but I'm finding more and more that games that bank on a wholesome aesthetic. Once I actually dig into them, there's not much there besides the wholesomeness. It's made me really skeptical of games that come in with a strong aesthetic in the same way. Because I don't want the wholesomeness to come from rounded edges and bright colors. I want the wholesomeness to come from the feelings that I have when I actually play it, when I'm doing right. the things I do it. I think, like, Ooblets has done a very good job of communicating yeah. wholesomeness outside of just its, like, aesthetic. It's shown us that the game mechanics are also wholesome, will also make you feel cute and, you know, like you're being pet, like a little cat. <laughs> it's all I ever <laughs> want to feel ever. Um but I do feel like, yeah, I'm now more skeptical of games 
that don't demonstrate to me that they are thinking about the thing they want to express beyond the aesthetics. Totally. I, on that note, I, I will shout out two things, one of which was at the Wholesome Game uh, Showcase, if that's what that was called, uh, and also one that I think fits that that model. Um, and in both cases, stood out to me because they were not surrounded by other games with with vaguely similar aesthetics or, or goals. Um, there was a game called Calico that I think was at the future, or no, it was at the Guerrilla Games, uh, not Guerrilla Games, Guerrilla Collective uh, show on Sunday, um, and had previously been at the Wholesome Games show, and I just didn't notice it at the Wholesome Games showcase. Um, I, you are running around an open world that feels very, very like like pastel painterly um you're riding around on a big cat or or bouncing around on a big inflated cat um you are doing favors for people in this space it was it you know as far as i am bought in uh because an aesthetic is cute and because you 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 see that aesthetic mesh with with some some gameplay calico is there for me um and then the other one which comes out tomorrow which was a running theme throughout these shows there was lots of june 16th it's it'll be out june 16th uh, is a game called Summer in Mara, um, M-A-R-A, uh, in which you seem to be playing a little girl who is doing farming and and taking care of people inside of this like set of islands across an archipelago. You got a boat. Um, I, this game looks sick. <laughs> this game looks so enjoyable. Um, I've heard from some folks who've who've played review copies that the translation is not fantastic. Um, but I don't know. It, it there is something about the the sense of location in all these shots um, that has has me very excited to play this this week. Uh, again, I I I'm not like you, Gita. I'm not someone who is like fuck off games that are wholesome um, so much as I am invested in making sure that when we say that word, we're, we understand what's at stake and we understand if we are closing the door to other sorts of games that we should also make spaces yes. for games that are not wholesome uh, and, and that being wholesome is not a superlative. Wholesomeness is not a, like, I think we use the word to be like, wholesome is good. Yeah. Wholesome makes me feel good. But wholesome stuff yeah. does not always make me feel good. Sometimes wholesome stuff actually makes me feel like a door is being shut. And you can kind, you can try to like write your manifesto and say that's not what we mean when we say wholesome. But it is what lots of people mean when they say wholesome. Yes. So yeah. I was reading a Twitter thread this weekend about the sort of the intersections between Pride and Black Lives Matter right now mm-hmm. that are going on. Amazing, incredible protests in Brooklyn this weekend, marching from the Brooklyn Art Museum uh, that thousands and thousands of people for black trans lives, which was really, really beautiful to see. But I read a really intelligent Twitter thread, which is not a phrase you say very often, where someone was talking about a phenomenon that they call tender queer, which is when queer people want to signal that they are a safe person to be around by embracing an aesthetic that it can be described as soft, that is welcoming, friendly, wholesome, Mm -hmm. I love loving things, that kind of thing. But that belies like uh, an uncomfortable with examining the things that are not soft, right? Right. And it can become a way for white cis queers to uphold white supremacy because transphobia is not soft. Transphobia is not loving things, right? Uh Racism is not soft. Racism is not friendly. Racism is not welcoming. And it takes more than just rejecting racism. You have to, again, be actively anti-racist. You have to be actively anti-transphobic. And tender queer does not necessarily create a space where you can be angry, for instance. 
You can be sad about injustice. It only creates a space of comfort. And I think that is my issue overall with games that um, use the wholesome aesthetic to present themselves to the world. Is right. I want to know that in that space, there's also room for other emotions, not just a feeling of niceness and of safety, because that can make people complacent. Right. There's definitely like a safety for who, right, uh, a component. Yes. And this is not, I want to be clear, I'm not saying this is that this is then the the uh, cross borne by all of the games that showed up in the Wholesome yeah. Game Showcase. There were many games there that I think were doing their best to actually dig into some some heavier stuff or or yeah. uh, we're certainly not and I don't think like the host of that show were we're trying to say like oh and these are the only games that matter or anything like that <clears throat> this is not me coming at the wholesome game showcase but it is me I, I think trying to give voice to some of the like uh when I see people when I see people talk about it these are the things that they're not talking about or that don't necessarily come through so uh, if I can give voice to some of that d- discomfort then I think then I think that's all all I need to do uh, when I list one more game that they actually fits that that mold which was lake did anyone see lake the game about being a mail carrier in oregon uh oh that sounds nice i, I did listen, not see that but that sounds great please let me deliver people's mail in a nice town i think Austin, again can you pull the trailer because i can't oh, i'm trying to google lake and that ain't lake working. game trailer let's see if this pops for you yeah well this that one's like- from that one's from a little while ago that's Primrose Lake. Where uh, do you here. guys know how hard it was to find the album "Album" by the band oh. Girls when that came <laughs> God out? God damn it! <laughs> Brutal. Just <laughs> hell. Fuck off. <laughs> um, yes, I can. I can totally get you this. It's developed by Whitehorn Digital. Um, I thought there was a newer. There was a. There was a, a newer trailer, but I'm going to link you to the older trailer here. I was going to put it in our, our podcast channel over here. Um, uh, you know, it's 1986. You go home because your dad is stopping being a mail carrier. And you're, you're, I think he's like sick. And you're picking up his route, which I don't know if that's a thing the U.S. Postal Service allows. Um, but that's apparently... That's true. We don't allow titles of nobility per the Constitution. However, <laughs> uh, mail routes, postal routes are heritable. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, uh, uh, it's worth it's worth linking up this trailer because it's it's uh, very. Uh, here's the other one. Here's the other. The other one is on YouTube is Lake Gorilla Collective trailer. Actually, I think this might be the same trailer. I'm gonna post it, and I think it's the same trailer um, or damn near. You want to drive a mail truck around uh, a cool Pacific Northwestern little town and Dude. look at a cat and talk to a lady while you're delivering her package. And, uh, you know, I, I think that the, the gist is very much narrative adventure, um, very much like you're getting to know the people here, very much, you know. I, it does not feel to me like there is going to be a wild twist where there is a terrible murder or something. Um, but, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe that's going to happen. All right. Any other final things you want to shout out from the show? There are just too many things, honestly, because I could keep going. Um, but I, I think we should probably move on. Uh, mm, uh, is there one more? Is there one more thing I want to say? Uh, anno, anno mutationem, uh, which is uh, a cool name. One, two, I believe is being made. Let me see here. Um, uh, by a group called the China Hero Project, a group of uh, Chinese developers. Um, I think that th- there might be a connection with the, with PlayStation there. I think they're part of a group of uh, developers who's getting some funding maybe from Sony. Um, like that game Cloudpunk that we played recently, uh, it is kind of, it seems like a big open cyberpunk world uh, where you're walking around neighborhoods and, 
and stuff, but also blended with some like 2D, like very stylish action um, uh, with uh, some exploration uh, and uh, a lot of flair. Uh, it is a gorgeous pixel art game um, that sells like a very a kind of very stereotypical uh, cyberpunk world, um, but in a way that I just haven't seen from especially this sort of blend of 2D and 3D art. Um, uh, so that is called Anno, A-N-N-O, Mutationem, uh, M-U-T-A-T-I-O-N-E-M, uh, and also probably worth a look. Uh, other than that, there are a million other things. People should, if you if you watch the PlayStation Five show, it would you do me a, a service by looking at least at one of the Guerrilla Collective Days or the the um, PC Gaming Show or the Future Gaming Show just to get a vibe of like what else is out there. Um, because because you know I, I think that there was a, a a great deal of stuff there worth people's time. Um, I guess also the big and one of the big announcements out of this weekend was that Persona Four came to PC. I think that came out of the Guerrilla Collective show or the PC. It came out of the PC Gaming Show. Um, uh, which which I you know I'm I'm a little surprised that it came out, but I'm not. I guess I'm not that surprised. It's been out for long enough time that people uh, uh, people have been asking for the Persona series on PC for a long time. I personally would have loved a wider range of just like if Atlas or Sega, I guess at this point was like, oh, here are all the Persona games, here are all the Shin Mega Ten games on PC. Let's go. That would have been even better. But I understand that oh my, my demands are high. <laughs> Can you imagine though if oh. we got Digital Devil Saga alongside please, this? Please, please. If we could have gotten Devil Wouldn't Summoner, if we so could have gotten, good. yeah, absolutely. That would have been. That or would have even been just sick. like as a curiosity, Persona One and Two. Please, I know. Put Persona 1 I don't and 2 think. On. I don't think I'll ever play Persona 1 because of the first person dungeon crawling. Don't sure, think I can handle that. Sure. But it really, like, please just give Frankly, me access to these games. I think the please. one that I wish, the, the one that I want most from that series, I, Persona 1 and 2 are definitely the ones where, like, I wish more people knew what those even were. Um, and the yeah, ways I wish in which... the access was there totally. more so than I wish these specific games. I just wish that people could play them. Yeah, Persona 3 might be the one that I wish was was if I could only have one of the other Persona games on PC, it would be Persona 3 because I think a lot of folks who played and liked 4 and 5 did not play 3 because it just didn't hit in the yeah. same way. And 3, it, I think, is a... Go for it. No, I was just going to say, it, it would be cool to have that available for folks because I think you would get people going back to play that, whereas 2, even 2 is like such a different thing that I bet a lot of people would buy it and start it and then not actually finish it, whereas I bet people would get through 3, and I think 3 has some really special stuff in it. Yeah, I think 3, um, I started playing that right after college, and it hit me like at an exact right point. Mm -hmm. The first year out of college, if we're listening to this and you're just starting your first year out of college, this is the first fucking year of your life. Like, <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. This is the first time you haven't been in school, like, nine hours a day. You probably won't get a job because our world is fucking crazy. Right. But And you are just stuck there knowing that this is supposed to be adulthood and also being very aware of your own mortality and not knowing at all what the future holds for you and playing the game with the tagline memento mori at that time <laughs> really helped me get over that hurdle <laughs> awesome 
That sounds like better better than what I did, uh, which was get really into take command second Manassas uh, and drinking screwdrivers <laughs> starting at like three in the morning. Uh, this is bad. Just, like, I, did I did that. I did that part. Oh, okay. yeah. great. Wow. Uh, We're all was, making great decisions. And then, go, and then going to my, my job uh, at the liquor store. Uh, so that was at the that was good liquor times. store. Uh, yeah, well, no, it was, it was real healthy. It was a real uh, virtuous cycle, I think, is what <laughs> e- economists call what my life was back then. Uh, big virtuous cycle of good decisions. Uh, so I've been playing Persona 4 uh, on PC. Oh, okay. And it's really, really nice looking. Uh, you know, it it's in at 1080. I do think the weird thing is the character models... You can see them a lot more clearly now, and mm-hmm. like I think the the place it's landing the weirdest for me is I remember my character being a little bit blurry, let us say, and that was useful because uh-huh. I could project myself onto that like blur with a cool jacket, and uh-huh. I was like, that guy's cool, that guy's me. And now it's very much like, oh, no, that dude is a model for a Korean menswear uh, catalog is kind of <laughs> how the, the vibe is now. Um, I'd also forgotten how, hard, how fucking hard that game is in some ways. Like, I'm currently trying to rescue uh, Yukio. Um, like, the first person you really have to, to rescue in that game, the first major quest. Mm-hmm. And I just keep going deeper in this dungeon and i'm like i just don't have the spells like this is a game of hard counters so and grind. i don't have the you counters gotta grind you just gotta it's, it's a nightmare i'm like was it always this hard i feel like now i need to like do i just need to play this with a guide and just say fuck pride and just like open up game facts play it with just one eye i like, mean Literally, unless you are going to suffer trying to get whatever, like the low level instant kill light spell, if unless you're willing to hurt until you find that, because for some reason that this particular dungeon requires you to have this and you keep getting the worst random number generator bullshit <sighs> in terms of dungeon layouts. Uh, yeah, open a guide. <laughs> Unless um, that's I didn't okay realize, with you. God, I didn't realize that there were random dungeons in that. I, oh, I thought those were set, but geez. Um, you know, the other, four, speaking up of, until five, it's all random, and it's way worse. <laughs> God. Speaking of uh, Fuck Pride, what I'm really curious about, Rob, is how the queer themes in that game, or, or the mishandling of the queer the- themes in that game, will hit on a replay. Because I remember when that game first came out, which, you know, was what? Was that 20? 10 20 somewhere in there right 2011 um uh there was a degree to which the the response was like hey they're trying something here from a lot of from a lot of people um and i think with time expectations have been set more appropriately um and so stories that are about like stories that are on their face are about things like struggling with gender expectations um, are much more clearly doing that by the way of transphobia or homophobia. Um, it's not just here is here is a person who uh, you know is presenting masculine because they you know because they they connect to masculinity in some way. It ends up feeling like it's it's like transphobic 
panic um, or or gay panic in the sense of kanji where where you know the things that he wants to do are traditionally you know gendered feminine uh, and the entirety of that dungeon ends up being like let's go kill the gay me uh, is fucked um, in a way that I think at the time you made an excuse not you but some players made excuses for uh, I didn't even play this game I watched Giant Bomb play this game uh, but watching it I was like oh well you know it's it, you're trying you're struggling with yourself as a teen and gender and then with time I was like mm, you could get they're up they're really close to being able to do this the right way and then swerving to doing it really really poorly I've always wondered yeah I feel like um, the the impulse to kill the queer version of yourself is not necessarily one that does not ring true to the queer experience. But in this game, they lead. They don't. They're not skeptical of that right. thing, Kanji. Yes, you know. Yes, you can ask that question, but the answer should not be. And then you should go do that. Yeah, it shouldn't be totally fucking do it, man. Go into a metaphysical dungeon and kill your queer self. Don't do that. That will not make you happy. Uh, I, I've kind of wondered how much of this is also back then, like, um, the table scraps of representation thing is in full effect back then, right? Where it's like, hey, yep. this is bad uh, representation, but on the other hand, it is in some ways empathetic, and it is, and that is still different and a nice change of pace from the complete erasure that... Uh, you know, defines a lot of this landscape. But I also do feel like post-Persona 5, it's like the past has been revoked, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, like, we've seen this way too much from the studio now. And so things that... When Persona 4 was out, you might have looked at and said, like, oh, that's awkwardly handled. That's not great. Right. Uh, Several years later, it's like, actually, fuck yourself. Like right. this is like this is actually yeah. coming from a toxic place, and back then I didn't know you so well. I would give you the benefit of the doubt. You keep going back to that well and making it worse. Totally, totally. I mean, the, the other thing there that's so frustrating is that like earlier I was saying like with the kanji stuff, you end up going and killing the queer self, and that's not that's that is a a uh, that's actually almost giving it more credit than than it's due in the sense that it would have stayed on the question of gender identity because at the end the end of that quest line is him being like this isn't about or not gender identity sorry sexuality uh, this isn't about sex, sex at all this isn't about like who i want to who i want to bone this is just about uh like i'm just afraid of being rejected or something like that it, it ends up synthesizing everything down into something that is not even about any of this the kind of semiotic uh you know uh stuff that surrounds a given quest it's just like oh no 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 no, no. sorry we were telling you this was about about being gay we're telling you that this was about uh wanting to be you know more masculine but actually it's just about the stress of inheriting a title from your family or whatever and yeah it ends up the the double punch there is that like one you've already mishandled the queer themes that you're playing with but two you're then saying that those queer themes are not enough to stand on their own to have been the focal point of an arc of your game you're saying actually let me tell you about what really matters it's the stress of uh, family inheritance it's the fear of rejection. And those things are important for sure. But the way that it's played out is like a, a gotcha in a way that makes you that makes the game almost formally uh, say, oh, the this queerness is not an issue. Who cares? Uh, and that is that is uh, additionally frustrating in a serious way. So anyway, I, I, I'm very curious as you continue through. Uh, one, if you do find yourself 
deciding that you're going to just have to grind through it or pick up a strategy guide or look up an FAQ or whatever. Life is too short. I got to get that guide. Like, you much gotta, though I love yeah. the idea of I'm going to experience this no. as people did. Um, I'm actually pretty sure a lot of those people did experience it with strategy guide. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, True. Even if that strategy That's... guide was like calling up your friend and being like, what the fuck am I supposed to do here? <laughs> uh, but the uh, one other note is... We can add this to the list of games Mina is weirdly obsessed with. Oh, um, oh I'm so excited. Yeah, there's something about like the aesthetic of this game, the aesthetic of Animal Crossing, like big, bright games with like uh, scrolls of text that appear. Mina can't take her eyes off of it. Uh, she watches me play Persona in a really weird and intense way. Um that is like like i like what's going on in your head dog like she's not trying to like paw at the screen and like right. kill the bear that's living inside of it um but you know fuck teddy uh but she she just won't like she can't ignore it yeah weird shout outs to mina you're very good dog uh we should take a quick break and when we come back we can talk about some other stuff we've been playing we will be right back i miss you Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, we are back, uh, and while we took a break, a trailer dropped for Star Wars Squadrons, which I thought was not going to drop for another few minutes, but apparently it did. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's space. It's space. What else do you need, Rob? You're our, you're our resident Star Wars, you know, X-wing expert. Uh, what do you, what do you think of this trailer? Well, they didn't show any gameplay. That'll and that actually does matter here, week, right? Because, right? like, yeah, what are totally. we talking about in terms of when you say I'm be flying an X-Wing or a TIE fighter around in battle, what does that look like to you? Because here's what that looks like to me. <laughs> TIE fighter. Uh, you know, managing, like, multiple systems. Like, one of the real pleasures of that series is... A bit like the MechWarrior game, so much of it is about just constantly re-optimizing a manageable but still somewhat complex like fighting machine, right? So that you mm-hmm. always have something cool to do. You're always like, you have that moment in the trailer, full power to engines. That's all those games are, is like, oh man, power to weapons. You know, right. let these guys have it. And 
there's also though a version there's been this in in star wars as well to strip out all of that and it's basically like okay you're gonna fly ships around in a big box here but not as big as you'd like it to be uh and then you're going to you know try to land pot shots on people probably with some lock-on uh targeting to, uh-huh. to help you because otherwise it's hard on a on a game controller and so i don't know i'm a, i'm a little bit uh as much as i would love for this to be like Okay, yeah, it's going to be X-Men versus TIE Fighter style. It's going to be like uh, Free Space or uh, Colony Wars. There's right. also a version where it's like it's it's called Squadrons, right? Yeah. Uh, I didn't love uh, Rogue Squadron. Yeah. Well, uh, there did, is a, a lot of people did. I think that would make some people happy. I, I will read to you from the press release. I think I try not to do too often, but here we go. Uh, it's Motive uh, Studios. It's Lucasfilm. In Star Wars Squadrons, players will enlist as Starfighter pirates, pirates pilots, uh, stepping into the cockpit of iconic Starfighters from both the New Republic and Imperial fleets, New Republic fleets. So this is post uh, this is post Return of the Jedi, if it's New Republic, right? Um, they'll play. They they will plan skirmishes with their squadron in the briefing room before taking off for space battles across the galaxy. I need to know if that's, that's a real gonna go thing, well. or if that is actually just there is a screen before you start <laughs> the match with like a me, picture of me standing up there on Discord, being like, and then we will rally at Waypoint <laughs> Eta and right. begin our attack runs, and then like show feet. <laughs> God, I love playing video games online with people. Players will engage in strategic 5v5 multiplayer space battles with the goal of demolishing the opposing flagship in fleet battles, the capital F, capital B, fleet battles, and will feel the rush of first-person multiplayer combat as they work with their squadron to defeat as many opponents as possible in dogfights. So I don't know if that's two... I don't know if that's a... Is there a one that's third-person and one that's first-person, or are they just trying to or say... Finally, clarifying here that you're uh, yeah, going to be in could the cockpit, say. not behind the ship. Totally. Pilots will triumph as a team, adjusting the co- the composition of their squadrons to suit their playstyles as they progress, crushing their opponents and completing objectives across known and never before seen locations, including the gas giant of Yavin Prime and the shattered moon of Galatin. Hold on, brother man. We got a little thing from the YouTube description. Okay, selling point here. Get yeah. in the cockpit. Well, the cockpit go. is your home. Use its, <laughs> it's dashboards to your advantage. And with just a thin hull of metal and glass between you and the perils of space, feel the intensity of combat from a first-person perspective. So I think they are trying to yeah, say, like, okay. no, this is going to be this is a cockpit like, driven in that uh, way. It's, it does say it's going to be uh, VR on PS4 and PC here. It does say that you will have rich cosmetic and gameplay customization options and with rewards and bonuses earned solely through gameplay. No loot crates. No lotteries. Mm. We promise this time. But what if a special mission comes along with like an Imperial oh. loot fleet or something? Like an if you like mm, when this mission comes along, <laughs> uh, you, know, you can you can you can slip General Dadana a little money, uh, and, then, <laughs> and then maybe you'll be selected more often God. for the uh, convoy raids. No, I don't know. So this sounds like maybe a cut down World of Warplanes type thing. Like that sounds, I guess. So it's five v five. Um, cross play is nice uh, across everything, uh, including across VR. You can play with VR players not playing VR, which is interesting. Um, there is a campaign. They they do say that it's like post Battle of Endor. They do say that you'll 
learn what it means to be a pilot, which, okay. Uh, two customizable pilots, one serving the New Republic's heroic Vanguard Squadron, while the other fights for the Galactic Empire's fearsome Titan Squadron. The authentic story features a diverse cast of original characters, as well as some cameos from familiar faces in the Star Wars galaxy. I don't know what makes it authentic. My hope is it's authentic in the way that you said TIE Fighter to me is is what I'm looking for. And and the authenticity here is like, you know, like from, from Star Wars Flight Sims. Um, yeah, you know what? I'll tune in later this week for the gameplay reveal. Fuck it, man. You know I like Star Wars. Um, in fact, let me just do a plug. Can I just do the plug? Can I drop my plug? Do the plug. Uh, and then I have questions. About just gen about this game, or about Star Wars. I have Star, I have Star Wars questions. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so November tenth, November tenth. Uh, apparently, from a certain point of view, the Empire. From a certain point of view, the Empire Strikes Back. Uh, is a book that will be coming out on November 10th. Uh, the From a Certain Point of View first book, the New Hope one, was a collection from like 40 different authors with short stories uh, about different characters in the Star Wars, uh, original Star Wars film. Uh, this new one is similar, except it's for The Empire Strikes Back, and your boy is writing one of those stories. Uh, I am writing one of those stories. I am, according to this article that they just posted, uh, I am writing a story of an unlikely partnership between bounty hunters Dengar and IG-88 as they pursue Han Solo. Uh, I just submitted a second draft of that story like two days ago. It's very fun. Um, it is. It is. Let me just tell you, I love writing just good bounty hunter banter between two people who don't necessarily like each other but wind up on the same side of a conflict. This is not deep shit. But it is good. I really enjoy it, and people should look forward to reading it. It's very in fun terms to be of like scale. Yeah, what are we uh-huh. talking about here? In terms, because remember, uh, remember Tales from the Empire. Yes, where there yes. were shorter stories, but yes. then also there was a novella co-written by Michael Stackpole. I and would love Zeno. to tell you that I was writing a novella here. Uh, you know, maybe buy the book and tell and tell whoever Disney, Lucas, Delray that they that I mean, they I've need to you. do There's an a chance Austin of writing Walker. a novella, regardless of what they. It is not. Out. It's it's submitted. It's within the. Mm, it just it went just over the work. It the first draft was under word count by like six hundred yeah. words, uh, and then and then they were like, oh, could you expand here? And I was like, absolutely, I can expand there. <laughs> Uh, um, and now it's like over the word count by like 200 words. It's, it's a short story. It's like a short, you short story. Your entire life to expand there. Uh, you were yeah. ready to expand there. <laughs> I've been, yes, exactly. Um, there's some incredible people on the, the full list of, of authors and I'm in very good company and, and I'm very excited to see some of these other stories. Uh, you know, like one of those other stories in this book is going to be um, a naturalist caring for tauntauns on Hoth, which is great. Uh, there's going to be someone writing up from the Wampa perspective. Um, like, oh, no, I, I can't. Yeah, uh-huh. Absolutely. Too sad. Yes. It's going to be like when um, in Tales from Moss Eisley, where you learn that one of the characters in the background was trying to broker a peace. Was, they did they did dances with wolves thing in Tales from Moss Eisley, yes. basically, where it's like yeah. we can have peace with the Tuscans, and the answer is no, no, no. they can't. No, uh, for people who don't know, Dengar and IG eighty eight are two of the bounty hunters who you briefly see in Empire Strikes Back. Um, they're fantastic. Uh, they, they got some good development in, uh, what is now legends story content, uh, that is now non, non canonical or legends canonical. Well, Dengar uh, did. But IG-88 got a story in Tales from the Bounty Hunter. I just reread it recently. Y- yeah. It's the one that ends where he's 
taken over the, the second Death, the Death Star, Star. and yeah. he's like yeah. full on like I'm going to destroy like the universe. Raid. Yeah, uh-huh. it doesn't go yeah. well for him because of the way the Death Star goes. But you know, I'm stepping in, and now we're in a new canon, and it's very fun to be able to tell a story about them. You had other Star Wars questions, though. Was it about this period of time that the game no. takes place in? Okay, what was your Star Wars oh. question, Rob? No. Uh, actually, Austin, I do have a question. Um, okay. But actually, this is more of a comment. Oh, great. Uh, so oh, God. <laughs> have you noticed that at one point in the Clone Wars Season 2, there's an episode ah. set on the planet uh, Mandalore, and somebody talks about how the Mandalorians were forced to lay down their weapons in the, le- in the uprising against the Old Republic. Uh-huh. And just the acknowledgement that, like, Oh yeah, there was another old republic, and that one fucking collapsed too. Uh-huh. You notice that? I like that. I a did lot. notice that. I like that a lot. That that show continues to fucking whip. Uh, every Black fucking every katana saber. I, Shit. Dude, it's sick. It's so good. That second. I just. I if I can shout out one Clone Wars episode because we cannot do this. We cannot go down this. It is the one called Brain Invaders from the mm. second season, which. Is, oh it sounds God. like the pulpiest nonsense, and it is in some ways. It is like it is such a like a template story, one hundred and one pulp action. It is very much there is a military ship, and the two heroes realize that every all of the soldiers on the ship have been taken over by a brain parasite, an evil brain parasite. Uh, that is like very hokey stuff, uh, but it ends up playing out in at the end of an arc that they'd been setting up for, like, three or four episodes. Uh, and it's just fantastic character work um, that that says so much about what the implied relationships are between some of the principal characters in the show. Uh, it does so much good work with... Um, communicating a sort of underlying dread that's already that should already be there i've already said that one of my favorite things about clone wars are, is the way in which it foreshadows stuff that you already know is coming and so this is a you know this is an episode in which a bunch of clone troopers get brain parasites in them and decide they have to kill the jedi that are on board and let me tell you about the history of star wars eventually they won't need a brain parasite to make that decision um i don't know maybe a brain parasite is involved in some way in their creation i i haven't done the science research um, um, but the that episode just absolutely slaps. It's so good. Uh, I that show has continued to to really impress me. So we cannot fall down this this rabbit hole. But uh, I guess you know we'll we'll talk more about Star we Wars later this week that. when this this, this demo shows up and we or this not demo this uh, gameplay trailer shows up and we can actually talk about it. Um, talking about video games we have played, Gita. I know that you played a game that I didn't even realize existed called Little yeah. Orpheus. Did this just drop. Yeah, this dropped on Friday. Okay. And I, Rob and you obviously weren't there. Rob was out. So when I was trying to desperately DM Emmanuel, like, listen, this game, I know you probably haven't heard of by the studio that you probably haven't heard of. It's incredibly important. I want to play it immediately. (laughs) I could not make myself known. But the Chinese room, who people might remember from Dear Esther and Everyone's Gone to the Rapture and Amnesia, A Machine for Pigs, they... Stealth came out with a new game for Apple Arcade, and it's called Little Orpheus, and it's very different from their other works. Um, The Chinese Room, I think, is the originator, or not the originator, their games are the originator of the term that is sometimes derogatory called the walking simulator, right? Uh Where Dear Esther was a narrative experience where 
Uh, you walk through a landscape and a narrative is told to you as you move through the space. And certain things will happen, but interactivity is not a huge part of it. Uh, Nisha Machine for Pigs has puzzles, but it's similar in that way where you are picking up journal pieces and trying to put together a story. And uh, Everyone's Gone to the Rapture, I think, is the most pure, quote-unquote, walking simulator experience that, that people sort of understand as what the genre is. And I was actually looking up what they've been up to because I forgot about Amnesia Machine for Pigs and I was like, what is that game? Never going to play it. Why don't I just watch a Let's Mm. Play and see what that is? And wow, that game rips. (laughs) The game is really cool. It's a very good narrative. I told my mom the twist and she was really into it. So People should go play that game if they like horror games. That game's cool. Yeah, that game's cool. If you like horror games, definitely play it. Uh, it's, It's spooky, which is why I didn't play it. Um... But the new game is not a walking simulator at all. It's a puzzle platformer. Incredible. It's a puzzle platformer, which is just incredible. And it's really good. Like, it's a very good puzzles. They fine-tune the, the mechanics for the iPad in a way that makes it feel very good to play on iPad. A lot of games do not feel good on iPad, especially puzzle platformers, yeah. I find. But they figured out how to get, like, the controller gestures to work on a touch screen where to move someone forward you're only ever moving in like two one or two directions you swipe your finger one way or swipe it back and as long as your fingers on the screen they will be moving in that direction and then you can use the other finger and your other hand to tap to have them jump or to gesture up and down to have them climb things or to hold on an object to press and hold on an object so that your little guy will interact with it and it, it makes it there's a little bit of a learning curve but it eventually feels as natural as playing with the controller What's the- although there is the controller setup for this too. Oh, cool! What is um, the what is the premise? What's it look like? Tell me, tell me about about yeah. Little Orpheus. Sorry, just got. I was so excited that they made a puzzle platform. Oh, I understand. On an iPad. I got so psyched for it. Um, but yeah, Little Orpheus is the story of a, a Soviet worker who somehow faked their way into an experimental space program and was on a rocket when it entered. Went to going to actually the center of the earth and he crash landed in a place called plutonia and unfortunately he's the only survivor as he knows and is lost a soviet terraforming device called little orpheus and your journey is telling the uh, kgb officer that's interrogating you what happened it's unclear if this how true this tale is the kgb officer is very uh un, you know unsure of it and you're basically hearing the narration of the uh, interrogation happening in the present tense while you play through oh, the story of what happens in real time. It's it's really, really well, fun, and there's a T-Rex. <laughs> right. Well, it's like the thing that – watching a, a, some gameplay footage of it here, the thing that separates it from me, from me or the thing that, that uh, makes it seem really distinct versus – I think about the puzzle platformer, and I tend to think about – Limbo or Inside um, um, from is it Play Dead Studio something like that. That's Play Dead, um, yeah. And and all of the games that ape that style, that very like um, morose and desaturated vibe. Um, and this is bright and colorful, and you know I think the the touchstone for my nerd ass is uh, the quote unquote Savage Lands from X Men. It's like you're in a gigantic super jungle. You are in like you know giant plant bulbs in the distance as big as as city blocks. Uh, huge colorful colorful vines. You're in this bright orange cosmonaut suit. Like I, it, it it's it's 
pretty striking given what it is, you know. And I guess I'm, I'm probably ignoring a bunch of other yeah. pl- puzzle platformers that do this, and it's There's, um, but but yeah, I, it does feel sort of in opposition to the the play dead grim dark yeah. puzzle platformer, which I love those games, popular. but but I don't but necessarily games are love really really good. Yeah, I don't necessarily love a lot of the the like ways in which other people were like, and this is what a good game looks like. <laughs> Yeah. No, this one, unlike Play Dead Games, it, you don't just get to see a child die over and over again. It it fades out <laughs> when you jump from something too high and you can't land. And that feels very pleasant because it's it's really, they figured out a very good way to deliver the narrative that they clearly have spent a long time on. Yeah. Where you reach, a, you reach a set piece where you wouldn't be touching the screen anyway, and then you hear a bit of the interrogation. Okay. And you understand that you're living through the journey of this character anyway, so you're going to learn what they see or what they're telling this person they see. And there's a sort of fun interplay between these two characters that are very well written. I, I really, And also just the music slaps so fucking hard. This I have not, so I've not heard good, it yet, but I'm excited too. It's uh, a lot of good oboe shit. Just immediate. It's, it's Jack DeKeat food. Hell is yeah. What it is. Perfect. <laughs> it Incredible. It basically is. God, all right. Is it only on Apple Arcade right now? It, will it eventually um, come out on? So far as I know, it's only on Apple Arcade. I don't know that it was originally for <laughs> Apple Arcade because they have fully integrated controller support. Yeah. But it is on Apple Arcade right now. <laughs> all right. Well, sure. So I don't know if the game was intended to be released on Apple Arcade, given that it has controller support and the kind of game that it is. Yeah. Like a puzzle platformer is not a natural fit. But one, I'm so glad that they got the funding to finish this game because it feels really special just even with a couple hours into it. Uh, it's long, too. There's a lot of levels. So I just looked for it in the, the quote-unquote episodes um, that are there. That that's right. That's levels up. And there's a there's a bunch. There's a bunch more than I was expecting. Um but yeah, it has full controller support, so I wouldn't be surprised if you see it on a Switch or a PS4 or a PC later. In the next, yeah, in the near future, for sure. Um, yeah. yeah. I will probably wait for it. I'm not going to re. I'm not going to resubscribe to Apple Arcade. No offense, Apple Arcade. Listen, I just forgot that I was subscribed to it, literally. Yeah. <laughs> the game came out, and I was like, oh, I can get this. That is what they were hoping for. They were like, I hope everybody <laughs> just forgets that they, that they decided to subscribe to this. Um, incredible. Uh Rob, can we can we talk about the Order eighteen eighty six? We sure can, Austin. I haven't finished it yet, so so heads up on that. We will talk some spoilers about it. I know, Rob, this is you are an Order fan, right? Can you just talk to me about? Can you talk to me about the Order eighteen eighty six just to set a baseline? Okay, well, like about what? Because we've hit the premise before. Uh, we have, so like in- but but you you like it a bunch. You think that you think that it it is uh, a stronger more compelling gameplay experience than some of its uh, uh, its kind of competitors, things like the Gears of War games, I'm guessing, and things like the Naughty Dog act like the Uncharted 2s and 3s, or the Uncharted 1, maybe, for sure. So I, I should... So I started playing it again, uh, yeah. because I was like, I need to update my expectations. and yes. Not expectations, but uh, impressions. And, uh, like, a crucial thing to... Oh boy, this is going to sound like I'm backpedaling. Probably because I am. Yeah. Uh, one of the order, I think, was one of those games that gets painted with the brush of it is a launch window showpiece, right? Yeah. Just totally empty. It is nothing but a graphic showcase. There's nothing there. I played it years after the fact and had a delightful experience with it. Um, playing it now, I do think 
there are parts of it, like as a shooter, that it hasn't particularly aged well. Uh, I think it is very much a it, it 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 does check every box of cover shooters, uh, cinematic type games in that time period, where it's like very basic take cover, stop and pop, and then occasionally you will have a quick time event where you mash a button or hold a button to make something cool happen. Um, that being said, I do think it has a beautifully consistent visual style uh, uh-huh. throughout. I think it is... There are a lot of games that try for different sorts of spectacle, but the order feels like it has a fully considered uh, aesthetic that it is working through. And also, I was kind of a sucker, and I, and I think I still am, for this notion that you take... You take this old idea, this this sort of standby of uh, fantasy and English literature of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table and the mythology around that, and you transplant that to the height of the British Empire. Uh And what becomes of those ideals, those ideals that animated national myth in the face of a global capitalist empire? Right. And... What I really do like about that game is it does become an exploration of how even the Knights of the Round Table get corrupted by this. Uh, that, like, the things that make them heroes in one context are the things that turn them into upholders of a not just a status quo, because really it's not a status quo, it's an evolving, it's an ongoing expansion and oppression of other peoples. And so the, the a large part of this game is this growing uh, divide between their avowed ideals and their history and how they conceive of themselves, and then what it is they're actually called upon to do. What does it mean to be a knight of the round table, a guardian of this realm, when the realm is now operating... Uh, you know, a supercharged East India company. Um, <laughs> right, right. When the realm is now basically being governed for the benefit of a vanishingly small class of, uh, like, arch capitalists and imperialists at the top, and everyone else uh, is there to serve that or be ground up by it. I am so with... Uh, that game is in here, but there is also another game that I think makes a fatal error... Uh, it makes two in a row that really pulled me out of it. I really loved the first six hours of this yeah. because I think I think the world building is really fantastic. I think the visual design is is like heads and shoulders above its peers in terms of there being a a sense of place that has history um, of even even some of the level design I think is really sharp. Um, uh, I'd say through the um, the airship level where you are yes. infiltrating and in this kind of uh, vast airship, the Zeppelin that has a bunch of different uh, segments in it, some of which are very mechanical and kind of, you know, the kind of backstage area, if, if you will. And then the front of stage is the parts of it that are like the, the cabin for, for people to sit in or the cabin for people to like, look at museum <laughs> exhibits. So, so vast is the Zeppelin. Um, and there's, you know, a series of really fun gunfights in 
there and uh, encounters with major characters and you can feel the tension building and then it all blows up and you crash land into Crystal Palace uh, because again you an ill-fated building an ill-fated building with an ill-fated uh, meaning and uh, and uh, is a fantastic it's, it's another one of the things it's like uh-huh huh? this period of England right you know World's Fair stuff and Jack the Ripper is here and uh, but it works that part works for me from that point forward, I think the game ends up making two back-to-back mistakes that end up undercutting what it's trying to do. The first is, in that explosion, um, the, the, the very, you know, the elevator pitch on, on, on the narrative of this game is, you can tell something is, you, the player character starts to get wind that something is wrong in their own house, right? That, that something in the order is not adding up right. Um, and uh, as you uh, confront this rebellion on board this Zeppelin, it's infiltrated the Zeppelin that is attempting to <clears throat> assassinate this kind of uh, a lord of England, this this politician, Lord Hastings. Um, you and your mentor are, are kind of tossed to the ground in this huge explosion. Your mentor dies, you survive, and you want vengeance um, from the rebels who destroyed the, the Zeppelin. Uh, and what you get is this just like, you go through the, the proper channels and say, you have to let me investigate these rebels. You have to let me figure out what's really going on here. Something weird is happening. Uh, and the the order's leadership says, like, no, you can't do it. Like, we, we have to take things by the book. Uh, and <clears throat> at a perfectly opportune time, the rebels attack the order's base in an attempt to kill Lord Hastings again. And you run out across the bridge and kill hundreds of these people in a rage so wrathful that even your your uh, compatriots in this oppressive group called the order are like dude you have got to come back you have to stop killing these people we've won the fight you are just being cruel at this point uh, and it's like y'all are y'all are rich imperialists like so if you're saying it uh oh um you end up you end up killing your way through everyone who was there decimating this rebellion and then the next cutscene is meeting the leader of the rebellion a queen from India who's been exiled, uh, who is like, you sure killed a lot of my men. We should have a talk. <laughs> and it's like, uh, no, like you, this is you can't pivot from the like wrathful excess to now his his eyes are going to be open because he's earned his right to meet the queen, the rebel queen, who is going to accept him into her way of life and trust him and and this is it right this is like the classic this is the naughty dog problem this is the problem that that we we talked about with uncharted this is like a classic it's it's trite to even talk about it at this point the ludo narrative dissonance which troy baker brought up this weekend in one of those streams by the way he said as we talk as you know a, a phrase we use a lot around here is is ludo narrative dissonance i was like i got a lot of questions about where around Uh-oh. here is where's it being used <laughs> Where, yeah, where is it? Who, where did you hear that one, bud? Um, you say that shit around yeah, here. It's a whole different it's story. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but but it, it's through the roof here, right? As as you go literally from the biggest bloodbath in the game to working with that group. Um, so that's part one. And it's like, all right. I They really wanted the turret sequence. I get it. That's frustrating. I can imagine being a writer on this project and being like, you want me to do what? Okay, fine. The second problem, though, I think is is actually a lot deeper. It's a, it's a much more fatal mistake when it comes to that core idea that this is a story about the corruption of a noble institution. Um, you join with this group and you go to investigate these docks because the this rebel queen has told you, hey, 
um, you are going, you're going to see some shit that changes your mind about this whole situation. You're going to see we're on the right side. We're on the same side, you and I. And you do, you do, you fight your way through a truly interminably long dock sequence where you're going in and out of warehouses uh, and fighting the same enemies for like 34 minutes, way too long. Uh, and you eventually get into uh, to a, a building um, and uh, there's actually a really fun little tiny thing that's like, all right, we need to find one of these crates that has one of these weird red sigils on it. And you're going around, you're looking at all these crates, like, oh, there's red sigils on that one, but it's too high to check. Oh, they're, they're over there, but they're stuck behind these other boxes. And finally, you find the, the right crates, and you open it up, uh, and these are crates that are about to be shipped overseas to, to North America. Um, and inside is a body. And it's not just any body. It's the body of a vampire, a sleeping vampire. And you realize the East India Company, or the game's version of the East India Company, is about to ship hundreds of vampires to the New World. The quote-unquote New World. Uh, as a way to bring, the, like, basically to, to reignite this species of what the game calls, or what the Order calls, half-breeds. People who have animalistic characteristics and include vampires and lycanthropes, like werewolves. Um, I think those are the two big ones. Uh, I, sometimes you fight like an elder who is just like a big hairy dude uh, with big teeth more than a werewolf. He's like halfway through the werewolf transformation. He's like, I'm good. This is actually way creepier. I'm going to stay like this. Uh, and it is way creepier. And he was right to stop there. Um, and uh, you end up you end up like burning this warehouse and killing hundreds of these vampires in, in a sequence that I think actually kind of works because of how frightened your character is during it and like this is not this isn't what I, this is really scary but the takeaway ends up being that you realize that culture that society has been in, oh, so there's two levels first level oh capitalism is vampiric right the east india company is filled with vampires the east india company is uh is is shipping vampires around the world uh and is Become, they, they are infiltrating the, the local communities and are making themselves more powerful. And it's like, again, it's kind of like reading Themes 101. It's like, oh, wow, the capitalists are sending vampires. Okay, cool. But it, 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 it's fine, right? That part of it's like, I, uh, I get it. Okay. Delivering lots of smiles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and that part's all right. But the part that ends up getting me is the takeaway then is the order was good. Society England was good until it was infiltrated by the half-breeds. This is the text of the game is the lycanthropes and the vampires got involved and ruined everything. And the message being sent that imperialism, that this empire was good until the half-breeds showed up and found their way into positions of power is not quite the story I think the game thinks it's telling. But that is exactly what happens. Lord Hastings is revealed to be Jack the Ripper and also a vampire. Uh, the the leader, one of the leaders of the order it re is revealed to have brought in a, a lycanthrope because he couldn't bear to kill the lycanthrope. And so you're, you're shown this other version of, you're, you're not literally shown it, but you can imagine a different version of this history in which, oh, the the if he doesn't bring in this this lycanthrope, if he doesn't bring in this werewolf, then events A, B, C don't happen. If we just killed all the vampires instead of letting this one get away and become this important Lord Hastings guy, then we don't have a problem there. Uh, the rebels are only fight are also there to fight half breeds and kill the half breeds that have infected infected that have have infiltrated uh, the highest reaches of of British imperial power, like. When you have the good guy rebels say what we have to do is kill all of the half breeds, 
you end up going like, ah, and uh, again, there is extra nuance there. There is like, yes, they shouldn't have probably tried to do genocide on this race to begin with, obviously. But the follow-up there being, and then that race infiltrated and corrupted this group is is a t- is a tough pill to swallow. It feels like they didn't quite untangle what they what they were. Where they brought all the threads together, and they were like, that's it, good enough. <laughs> that's a quilt now. <laughs> Quilts aren't made by thread. I know, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think. Two things. One is one of my memories of this game. Like, my memories of the last third of it get really iffy. Like, I right. have a really vivid memory up to... Literally, I can tell you the scene where, I like, my clarity begins to dissolve. That great scene with Percival aboard the airship uh, yeah. trying to talk that kid down. It's incredible. And just, yeah, a tremendous scene. Great acting, great writing. It's just an incredible moment that just all ends in fucking tragedy. It's great. Uh, and then it's kind of a blur of like, I'm the leader of the rebels. Check out this warehouse. Oh yeah. no. <laughs> and then all your Jail. friends being like, I don't want to hear this shit. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I, I, I agree that the <laughs> vampire fiction often ends up in this place <laughs> of like, uh, Oh, this is another race. And what they do is, uh, via blood, they infiltrate and uh, destroy cohesion and, uh, you know, the institutions that were meant to keep them in check. And in if, if you're just in the vacuum of like, yeah, vampire fiction doesn't, ha- doesn't map to anything in the real world, you're like, okay, sure. But unfortunately, it never does, right? You're always in the how does this map to the real world? What are the metaphors in place? And the minute you start to raise that stuff, things like, uh, damn, we really had a good thing going here until those damn half-breeds <laughs> infiltrated their fine institutions uh, and corrupted them. Uh, then you're, then it's, then it's extremely messy. Um, I do think I, uh, this is, I, I uh, like I'm replaying the game right now. I need to play more to me. I think it does feel from the first, like there's a bit more of a problem where they, at least Galahad, and maybe Percival already have a sense that the order hasn't been good for some time, right? right. That uh, there's there's a moment as you head into Whitechapel where Percival starts re- reminiscing about like before it became uh, a slum uh, where the underclasses were just kind of forgotten, and he sort of he starts talking about how different things used to be, and I think Galahad says a lot of things were different. And Percival's response is, including the order, or something like that. Right, right. And so I do think, in the text of the game, I I, I think even predating the infiltration of this, I think there is, I think there is a text where the order can't be the order as it begins serving this nakedly imperial interest, Uh, even setting that aside. I do think that's part of it, but by the end, that has been kind of uh, backgrounded by the fact that they've got... They've got to tie everything into this really preposterous conspiracy that makes the entire thing kind of fall apart. Where, like, I'd forgotten that Lord Hastings was fucking Jack the Ripper. I'd yeah, completely dude. forgotten that, because it's so stupid. It's so stupid. It's just like, <laughs> no. We like, don't need it. Yeah. You don't need him to be Jack the Ripper. He could just be a shitty lord. He doesn't need to be a vampire. He yeah. could just be a shitty lord. 
Yeah, but the fact they have to be like, oh yeah, Jack the Ripper, totally involved in the United <laughs> India Company. The United <laughs> India Company uh, is Jack the Ripper, but also they're vampires, and they're going to infect the whole world but America, which we really don't want want to happen because it's America, duh. Because you're you're uh, probably American if you bought this yeah. game. That's our gets our bet. <laughs> right. So I yeah that that does fall apart. Did you finish the game? No, I'm very I'm I'm I, I'm at the re I'm like at the arrest right. So I'm about to go into into. I'm catching up with the time. yeah exactly exactly yeah, it was just yeah. like I'm like looking at it like homework you know what I mean it's like uh okay here we go the end of one of these games can be sometimes really fun and spectacle filled and other times can be like grinding my teeth as I'm fighting a balk a boss over and over again this one its resolution is very much setting up the order 1867 or whatever which we're right, going to get right um, right but I I do. I did come away, I think one of the reasons I came away liking this game more than you do right now is that I think the note it ends on is enjoyably not redemptive. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, okay, I'm curious about that. I, I will finish it this week, probably. It has been a good shut off my brain and shoot at werewolves yeah. game. For Also, for, the reflections and lighting in that game. It's, mm, it's gorgeous. Delicious. It's a gorgeous game. Like I, yeah. I have no complaints about the way it looks, honestly. Um, uh, I did, God, I did have one other thing. Oh, I will say the the core, the core um, premise of what the order is does work for me, and I think does complicate the vampire thing a little bit, right? Because... Um, which is, again, we're talking spoilers about this game at this point. This game's been out for seven years or something. I'm sorry, but we have to talk about it to talk. It turns out when you want to have a deeper conversation about a game and its themes, you have to talk about the story a little bit. Unfortunately, sometimes an embargo is put in place where you're not allowed to do that, and so you have to speak in generalities. Um, But with The Order 1886, The Order, they slow roll you on the fact that The Order is themselves sort of like for a while, I thought they would be vampires because when when your your boy Percival is like, oh yeah, things were better back in the day. He doesn't mean twenty years ago. He means like two hundred and fifty years ago. It is slowly revealed that these people have been alive for hundreds of years. There's a very funny moment where where uh, uh, I forget who it is. Lucan is like, ah oh, yeah, I'm breaking out the crossbows for this one, uh, and and your dude is like, oh just to stay stay silent and and he's like or maybe it was the other way around he's like uh just uh, also nostalgia for the good for the, the good old days you know before there were guns <laughs> like oh that's a long time ago that's hundreds of years ago i think some of these characters do sell you on the idea of um the curse of immortality is an old theme, but I like the your cops who have the curse of immortality, <laughs> right? Like the, the notion yes. of like. <laughs> well, well, because like the one of the big ones is there's a romantic couple, there's a romantic you know interest in this game, and she's like, "When are we going to get out of this life, Galahad?" And he's like, "Once we once we put this all behind us, we can get married." And uh, it's like, "Yeah, y'all been cops for three hundred years, my dude. Like, I don't know. I don't think you got retirement in you. You've been you've been three hundred years from retirement for a minute now. Uh, it, it's time to hang up the badge. It's, it's very much like lethal weapon. It's like your last yeah. decade of work. Yeah, that's how it is. Which the reason I think that, that 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 metaphor actually works for me is like they've had the time to fix this." They've had nothing but time. They are basically immortal. They have like a little vial that they keep around their necks that they can drink from to right. heal themselves. We talked about that last week, um, which I guess is filled with their own blood after they've drinking from the blood of the Holy Grail? Question mark? That's, I think, the, the mythology like that, yeah. there. Um, and so in that way, they're like self-drinking They're like self vampires. If they drink their own blood, they get to live forever. 
Um, and that's, that's like a cool, that's great. Whoever wrote that down, mwah, I love it. There's so much to play with there, so much to unpack. Uh, but unfortunately, there also have to be real vampires, and, well, and that, that complicates it. I do like that element of this isn't like these are all people who came in and the institution was rotting and it's like, oh, right. you joined the musketeers and it turns out they're not what it cracked up to, what's cracked up to be. These are people who were there for the good old days, saw the institution rotting around them, but also yes. didn't see it, like chose not right. to. Um, right. And Had plenty of opportunities. There were 365 days in a year, whether you live for 80 of them or for 800. Uh, that's a lot of days, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I, I do like those parts of it. Um, yeah, me too. It's, it's a fun game. Uh, I will hopefully wrap that up this week, and we don't even need to revisit it, but I will message you privately and be like, oh, yeah, the end. So <laughs> that's that's our, or thanks for our order check-in uh, really quick. Uh, any other final thoughts or, or things? Um, I, I, I want to give two other quick shout-outs. One, I should have shouted out while we are doing the game show breakdown. Um, there was a, a game that was... This is really frustrating. Um, during one of the events this weekend, uh, the studio company, the studio, or sorry, the publisher, New Blood, um, had a tra- had like a trailer with like five of their games in them, uh, and there was supposed to be a trailer for a game called Gloomwood in there, and then that trailer just wasn't in their montage trailer, except for a very little bit after the montage trailer played and. The pitch guy from that company was like, oh, also, here's the here are the games that we have. Here are the links you can go to. And Gloomwood, uh, uh, one, seems really cool. It's from the producers of – I guess it's not from the, the developers of, so I, it doesn't really matter. Um, it, it's like a thief-style, like, oh, yeah, creeping, immersive sim-style thing. Uh, very kind of, you know, um, low-poly 3D vibe. Um that is is it was really fun. There's a demo out on Steam. People should go check that out. It's called Gloomwood. Um, I, enjoyable. The second the second thing is I just I I and and I will actually probably revisit this next week or later this week in in deeper context. Griftlands is now on early access on on Steam, uh, and I know some people just like don't fuck with Epic Game Store. Uh, and uh, if if all you do is buy games on Steam on PC, Griftlands the uh, card game by Clay Entertainment that takes place in kind of a a really, really cool sci-fi, like grimy, uh, uh, low rent. Like I love it so much. Um, uh, there's a lot of great world building in it for a card game. You would not expect a game that's like Slay the Spire to then have really fantastic mythology around what the local religion is or the ways in which that local religion butts its head against the admiralty, which is the military branch of the government or against the spark barons who are like the one group of people who can uh, use the technology that's been uncovered from ancient dig sites, like a really, really cool world for a game where what you're doing is playing cards to either win fights or win debates. Um, But uh, also there's an entire debate me, bro card system in this game. uh, And it's really good. It's very fun to build a deck around like either being very aggressive or being very conciliatory um uh it looks gorgeous because clay makes very gorgeous looking games uh, and i'm glad more people can can play that now um and and also briefly this just dropped while we were recording invisible ink on switch so that's exciting and not invisible ink too i know I, yeah that's the, that's the dream for me but yeah on switch I'm, I'm gonna go buy that uh the second we finish this podcast so those are my two remaining shout outs um we do not have time to get into questions today. I think we should probably just wrap things up. 
Uh, but if you do have questions for future episodes, you can send those to gaming at vice.com with the subject question. As always, thank you to Bowen for letting us use the track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. You can follow everything that we do here at twitter.com slash waypoint. You can follow me at twitter.com slash Austin underscore Walker. Rob, how about you? At Rob Zachney. Gita, how about you? At XOXO Gossip Gita. And special thanks today for Sophie, for uh, who is who is doing the uh, editing and production on this one, who's standing in for Kato, who I hope is having a good vacation, a good break. Shoutouts to both of them. Uh, and until next what Friday, we'll be, we'll be back Friday with presumably some stuff from whatever that EA showcase is uh, and whatever else we've been playing. As always, fuck capitalism. Go home. Peace. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.